You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast coming to you from Montecito, California. And uh, today, before we begin, I want to remind you that there is a website associated with this podcast called wealthformula.com. And um, that is where you're going to go for lots of goodies that are not available on this uh, audio or video podcast itself. Uh, There are some resources over there that I want you to check out and also take the opportunity to sign up for the Accredited Investor Club. That is where uh, we see deal flow and that is uh, for accredited investors. What is an accredited investor? Somebody who makes at least $200,000 per year, $300,000 if filing jointly, reasonable expectation of doing so in the future after two years of doing it and or a net worth of a million dollars outside of your personal residence why does that matter because that's uh where a lot of private that's where private investments are and that's where a lot of private uh opportunities are and of course that's where rich people invest in they uh, usually don't do much of the public markets but we're going to talk a little bit about the public markets today you know uh, my portfolio is not what you would uh, necessarily call diversified personally. I'm, I'm about 70%, 80% maybe even um, real estate uh, and, you know, 10 to 15% uh, permanent life insurance, well formula banking stuff, uh, that, uh, that wealth accelerator is a pretty kick butt uh, type of thing that I, I really like. I'm about 10 to 15% in higher risk stuff. And when I say higher risk stuff, I'm talking about things like mining companies, cryptocurrency. Um, and, you know, to be clear, I want to point out that, um, you know, I am definitely not advocating for this approach, right? That's definitely not the case. That's this is the way I do things. Um, but you know what? I'm pretty active in controlling my investments and, uh, I, you know, I, I feel strongly about what I do and sometimes I take big risks and sometimes they work out most of the time they work out and sometimes they don't and net net, uh, well, this is where I'm at in my life and I'm pretty satisfied with that, uh, in terms of the financial side of it, things. Um, but I should add that even if you, you know, listen to my podcast, like, I don't know, about seven, eight years ago. I mean, I'm not the same guy. I am way more open-minded yeah, to you know expanding investments into different areas. In fact, I would say I'm even actively, you know, looking to stuff like that. Right? I mean, that's why our uh, credit investor club, which I mentioned earlier, if you are in a credit investor, you should join our investor club, uh, which I don't think I even mentioned. So I don't know. I must be losing my mind. But if you should join the investor club at wealthformula.com. Um, But the investor club is, you know, used to be just about real estate, but now we're, you know, linked with a broker dealer and we work, we we look at business opportunities, potentially looking at roll-ups. These are all interesting ways of of doing, uh, you know, being being sort of uh, broadly exposed uh, to various ways of making money. 
Um, the the reason for the BD for the broker dealer in the RIA who we interviewed before, which was Zolfielli, was because frankly, you know, he he's a guy who is very well versed in things like private equity and paper assets. And one of the things I will say is that you really, um, when you're doing this kind of investing, where it's like personal finance. I mean, what we do is really like personal finance because you make decisions yourself, right? You're not just handing off to somebody else. When you do that, um, you know, you are, uh, you, you should know a, a little bit more or at least make sure that the person that you know who is the jockey, so to speak, or whatever, uh, knows what they're doing. And so, you know, admittedly, I've started lots of businesses, but I haven't acquired businesses. I haven't done eminent M&As, mergers and acquisitions and things like that. And where Zolfi's actually, you know, uh, world-class at that has worked for, um, you know, he's worked for for sovereign wealth funds and, you know, JP Morgan banks and M&As and all that stuff, leveraged buyouts. So let those guys do what they do. Um, and let's, let's in, uh, let's try to ride on their coattails. Right. But uh, in the meantime, we can still do real estate too. But again, unlike 10 years ago, I'm not, dogmatic. Um, I mean, I used to hold a real alternative asset or bust position. Uh, in fact, as a general rule, I think I've softened on a lot of my more emphatic beliefs over the years, even in my personal life. I mean, I think sometimes, and you guys tell me, but you know, when you get older and those of you who've been listening to me from the beginning definitely have gotten older because I have too. Uh, sometimes you just get a lot more open-minded. You're just willing to listen to different things, get less dogmatic because of your gray hairs. Maybe there's something connected to your gray hairs that actually changes the way you think, but who knows? Um, that said, I still believe that alternative assets are the the core of what, um, you know, if people, if you want to change your uh, position in life, you want to like have your investments actually make you wealthy. I mean, that's where you need to be. I still have yet to meet anybody who has become rich because they invested in a diversified portfolio of stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, and um, you know weren't actually the manager making a bunch of money off of uh, of managing um, you know a fund like that. So, so in, in on, on the other hand, I've met plenty of people who have invested, uh, who've made a lot of money in real estate. Um, you know, yours truly, including and. You know, my dad, you know, this is just kind of the what, what, uh, certainly way of doing it. However, uh, there are other ways and other considerations of investing that should not be ignored. And you probably don't, but I have ignored them in the past. There's reasons for this. You know, there's, there's reasons to, to be open-minded, sector diversity, hedging, and even cash flow. Now, of course, we think of cash flow and we think of real estate um, but yeah, you know, cash flow, that's not something, uh, that you typically think of with paper assets, but cash flow is something that you certainly can create with stocks, uh, in a very unique way that doesn't involve simple dividends and by involves, uh, various types of options and things like that. And it's worth, it's stuff that's probably worth really learning about. I mean, I've, I've learned about it in the past, um, and, you know, really haven't done much of it myself, but I do think it's, again, worth knowing about. And if it resonates with you, it could be something that you do more of yourself. Uh, the guy to uh, talk to on that is Andy Tanner. He wrote a book about this kind of stuff uh, with Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, he did that as part of that whole uh, Purple Book, Rich Dad series. 
And really, you know, the thing is, like, Andy's a really good guy. He makes he's, There's really no one better at explaining it, this stuff, than he, he is. It's a real simple, uh, simple explanation of, of fairly complex topics. Um, so if you want to continue to explore other ways of investing your money, uh, tune in to this conversation with Andy Tanner that we're going to have uh, right after these messages. Oh, and by the way, I, you know, there's a link uh, for a course that Andy mentions in the podcast, uh, you can find that either in the email that I always send out, which hopefully you've signed up for the email list at wealthformula.com. In any of those email lists, you'll get uh, get this uh, uh, affiliate link, or you can also find it in the show notes, either in uh, the YouTube video or uh, if you're, you know, if you're if you're again Apple or whatever, it'll be in the show notes wherever you find your show notes. So that affiliate link is available. Go check it out. It's apparently, uh, it's a free course. I can't say that I've actually uh, seen the free course. I can't say for sure, you know, but it's free. So it's certainly, uh, it's definitely going to be worth the the cost at least. And um, I imagine with Andy, he is, you know, he's a guy that, you know, he's, he's going to teach you something one way or another. Uh, but without further ado, uh, after these messages, Andy Tanner. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest on Wealth Formula Podcast is Andy Tanner. Now, Andy's been on the show before. He's a co-founder of the Cashflow Academy. He's an author. He's a speaker. Uh, he's an author of 401k Chaos with a K. Oh. Yeah. And the stock market cash flow, four pillars of investing for thriving in today's markets. And his website is the cashflowacademy.com. Andy. Welcome to Wealth Formula Podcast. I should welcome back. Great to be back with you. It's good to see you again. Yeah. So a long time uh, since we've last talked, but and uh, you know it's 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 funny because with this show, as you uh, as you probably know, is is similar to the ethos of of uh, uh, you know Robert Kiyosaki, for example, who's a yeah. you know a a cash flow guy, a real estate guy, and all these kinds of things, and um, and so. Uh, you know, obviously, Robert is uh, has really liked what you've done in the past, which is to say, hey, there's more more than one way to to create the same kind of elements that we like in investments. And stocks are not always about the evil Wall Street. <laughs> group. There are a lot of time, though. <laughs> they, they are a lot of the time. Right. But there is some validity here. And so, you know, uh, that's where you come in. So. Why don't we do this? Why don't we start with the question of, you know, what are some of the overlapping skills that say real estate investors um, may already have that they could apply to stock investing that they don't know about? Well, I love that question um, because I've spent a lot of my time learning from real estate investors and people like Robert, you mentioned uh, guys like uh, Kenny McElroy, Than uh, Merrill, these guys have had a huge influence on me and the way I think about the, the asset class I'm in, predominantly stocks. And I think the first comparison I'd make is when a person decides they want to be in real estate, they look at a couple of different opportunities. They could say, "Well, I'm going to be like the guys on Amy. I'm going to flip this house. I'm going to buy it and renovate it, and force appreciation, try to get some money out of it. You know, money in, money out." Others say, you know, I think I'd like mailbox money. I think I'd like to buy a house and get cash flow. So that idea of buy low, sell high, and that idea of cash flow is a choice that real estate investors will make. Well, the same is true with stocks. And 
it's funny. I was speaking with a friend of mine not not long ago, uh, Buck, and I said, if you could buy a golden goose, why would you want it? Yeah. Said, well, I'd want the eggs. I says, oh, so you're not thinking you would buy it low and sell it high next week? Uh, right. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. so I really like, well, I, I, I like Warren Buffett as the anti-Wall Street guy. He lives in Nebraska. He doesn't hang out in Wall Street. And he's a business owner. And with my real estate, that's what I look at myself as a business owner providing a service and making a profit. So cash flow is uh, is the way I think about it. And I think a lot of real estate investors think the same way, cash flow. So what are the differences between stock investing and real estate investing as you see it? Well, I think there's more similarities than, uh, than differences. So maybe we could you know, juxt juxtapose those together. For example, if I invest in a syndication, which I will do, uh, I'm joining with a bunch of investors together to buy a big project. And when they receive a profit, they do what's called a distribution. And they take the profits and they distribute it amongst the, the owners as a group. Well, if you take a company like uh, Apple or you know Dow Chemical or Kraft Heinz or whatever, you're doing the same thing. You're, you have a share of this company with many, many, many different people that share. And when there's a profit, they don't distribute, they divide among the, so a distribution, a dividend is the same. So to me, as far as similarities go, I see a customer and whether that customer is buying ketchup or paying rent, I just see myself in service to a customer as a business. The differences I think are profound in that I think real estate is a much much better avenue if you want to employ uh, the lever of debt. I think uh, the you know the bank will loan you money on real estate because it's automatically collateralized and they don't see the volatility. You know, maybe I put 25% down and they finance 75%. They don't see a variance too far off that 25% to put them underwater in price. They, they feel good about doing that. Certainly in the stock market, they'll loan you money. It's called a margin account. You don't even need to apply for it uh, over and over again. It's like a line of credit. So they will do that. But I think real estate is a far better vehicle uh, for the use of leverage of debt, using debt as a lever. And I also think real estate has, depending on how you do it, can have tax advantages that are superior. However, a Roth IRA is tax-free and you don't do better than tax-free. Yeah. Uh, so I think the the big differences there are that that real estate is just a better better use of debt. Now, another difference though is is real estate is not as scalable. Uh, often I'll meet someone who just read Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah. And they look, I just want to put something on my asset column. Well, I I have my both my sons, age fifteen and seventeen, maintain their own accounts. They don't need to obtain you know a two million dollar loan to buy a small house in California. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> right. I mean, right. Uh, you know, it used to be a big deal to be a millionaire. Now it just means you live in California, you have a garage, right? <laughs> right, so, exactly. So it's scalable down to a person could buy 100 shares and begin to cash flow, right? It's right. very scalable. And I also think there's an opportunistic uh, opportunity for stocks on the downside. I think it's much, much easier to exploit a crash in terms of stock. And I would say the stock is far more liquid. Uh, if I want to get money out of my syndications, that's kind of rough to yeah. do. 
Yeah. But if I want, if I see a bigger, better deal, I can sell some stock as Buffett will do and get into a bigger deal. So I, but I'll tell you this, I, I think I don't like to change the question when I'm being interviewed, but if yeah, you give me fine. just a, a little license, a lot of people will, I'll get on a panel, you know, and someone will say, what's better business or real estate or is it stocks or Bitcoin or, you know, and that's very much focused on the asset rather than the investor. And I would say, you know, question, what's the difference between Warren Buffett and T. Boone Pickens and Warren Buffett and, you know, Kenny McElroy? I'd rather talk about the difference of investors because I think if a person frames their success as a function of an asset class, it doesn't mean much. But if they frame their success as being the function of the person doing the investing, all of a sudden that X factor of education, that X factor of discipline, of temperament, um, you know, I, I can find people in real estate that have been wildly successful and failed. I can find people in stocks that have been wildly, wildly successful and failed. I really like looking through it through the lens of the investor even more than the investment. Yeah. Um, let's talk about specifically that. I mean, obviously, you're when you're talking about um, when you're talking about stocks and cash flow, you're specifically talking about dividend paying stocks. Is that often? Yeah, is that most of what you're advocating for, or what you're what you what you're interested in? T tell us, maybe just give us a little bit of philosophy. Um, sure. You know, your philosophy in terms of how to approach that, because uh, obviously not all stocks are That's meant to question. be dividend pl uh, plays. So yeah, a lot of them are growth plays, right? We're going to look at a company like Tesla and think, oh, they're not done. You know, they're going to go to the moon, maybe literally, right? Uh, right. Uh, it's it's about the price tag around the goose's neck rather than the eggs they're going to lay. However, there's a lot more to cash flow than meets the eye. Uh, I have some stocks that do not pay dividends that I still cash flow, and that usually pokes people. Well, how could that be? And if we could start with a real estate analogy, uh, let's say I buy an apartment building, yeah, and it's a you know it's basically a box, and you turn the crank, and money comes out called rent, right? You do the work, you take care of the tenants, money comes out. So how do I get more cash flow out of that? Well, I add coin laundry. Now I've got more cash flow. Oh, I add vending. I got more cash. Oh, we add covered parking. I have more cash flow. So the same can be done in the options market. And one of the best kept secrets that every single human being that is any type of investor should learn is how to get paid to buy stocks and how to get paid to sell them. So this is a little bit complex, but you have a sophisticated audience. So I, yeah. I'm excited. I don't usually get sure. to delve into this, but your audience is fairly sophisticated. Well, they're they're professionals. They're smart. Yeah. You know, they're guys. Yeah, I mean, like they've been to dental school. They've been to yep. They've been you to know, doctors but, and dentists. They, they yeah, can yeah. pass. And I'm a little above my pay grade because if you ask me to pass an MCAT, there's zero probability of that <laughs> happening. Okay. I'll tell you that. Zero probability. Well, but I'll give you an example. Um yeah. Warren Buffett bought a railroad, BASF, and he actually got paid to buy it. In other words, there's there's something called a put option. And I mentioned that in real estate, you have leverage by debt, but in stocks, you have leverage by contract. And there are two different types of leverage, but everyone that knows leverage is you can do a lot with a little. That's all leverage is. You do a lot with a little. You lever long enough, you move the world. So what will happen is, is uh, there are people on the one side who are cash flow guys, and there are people on the other side who are trader guys. And the traders don't care about fundamentals of the company. They don't care about anything but price. And so if I'm a Wall Street guy and I 
I've got a mutual fund with a bunch of stock in it. And I have to tell my boss, this is my price target for that stock. If it goes the other way, I'm dead. So in the same way a real estate investor wouldn't get renter's insurance and would get fire insurance, these guys on Wall Street are looking for people that will guarantee an out for them. So what Buffett will often do is he'll look at a, a company like BSF or Coke or many others. And he'll say, hmm, you know, I'd buy that if it fell 10%. To yeah. me, that, that golden goose does down 10%. Well, on the other side of that trade, the guy says, I can't afford to have it go down 10%. I'll pay you to take it off my hands at a certain price. And that's cash flow. And my sons do this all the time. They get paid to buy, they get paid to sell. So if I own a if I don't own a stock, and let's say the stock's trading at 50, someone will give me a dollar to buy it at 45. And that's a dollar I get. Now think about that. If the stock goes up, I keep the dollar. They're not going to sell because the stock went up. If the stock goes sideways, I keep the dollar. They're not going to sell because the stock stayed the same. If the stock goes down 10%, they're going to sell it to me because of their fear of it falling further. I just got paid to buy a stock at a discount. Now, ju just flip that against a 401k. When a person signs up for a 401k, what are they doing? They're promising to buy stock with every paycheck. But mm -hmm. instead of getting paid for that promise, like Buffett does, to buy it cheaper, they pay fees to buy it higher. So if you yeah. just looked at that on a cash flow standpoint from a financial statement, if Buffett's getting paid to make a promise to buy low and he only has to buy if it goes low, he keeps the premium either way, and other people are paying to buy high, that's a massive difference over the life of the investor. So if you have a 401k and you're promising to essentially put money in stocks every paycheck, you're you're paying fees. Yeah. You should really be getting paid to do that. On the other side, there, okay. there's the, oh, okay, I don't want to okay, go let me, let me ask you this then, because obviously what we're, you know, one of the things about us, uh, you know, the, 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 the busy professional, okay? Yeah. Um, is that we don't, we don't a lot of times have a ton of time. So what we're, no. we're looking at is saying, Hey, this is, um, you know, for example, you know, we, we do a lot of real estate, we do syndications. Uh, I'm a real estate syndicator and, and that kind of thing. But you know, a lot of what people are attracted to is they like the idea of a certain asset class. They like the concept of the tax advantages, potential cash flow and upside, but you know what? They they're picking they're picking uh, people to do that you know they're picking yeah. jockeys to do that like Kenny you mentioned for example that's what yeah. he's doing in when it comes to this kind of stuff now listen if you're talking about a couple thousand dollars here and there uh, and maybe you play with it yourself and uh, still work your 60, 70 hours a week uh, but now if you've got Say, you know, you're you're you've got portfolios that are in the millions or hundreds of thousands. Uh how do you I mean, do you do you believe in the concept of the stock broker, the the wealth manager, the do you see what I'm getting at? Like yeah, how do you, I don't, how do, you yeah, do that first, on a larger scale if you're a busy person yeah. and do it right? Well, certainly I, you know, I don't mow my own grass. You know, I I hire that done. I don't have time to mow my grass, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I, if I can hire it done, maybe I hire it done. In this case, I prefer to do it myself because it just doesn't take time. I mean, if you think about it, 
most of these contracts I do will be, you know, monthly, four to eight weeks. So it's like my sons, they're busy. They're playing basketball. They got homework. They're, yeah. you know, freshmen and junior in high school, but these are monthly. So my son will take one day a month, you know, on a Sunday before the market opens at the beginning of a, usually the, the, you know, the third or fourth Monday of the month. And he'll say, do I want to pick anything up? I've got some cash here. Mm, here's a stock I might be interested in. Let's write a put. Well, that's it. I mean, it's, it's 15 yeah. seconds and he's going to yeah. trade a hundred shares. You know, I might trade 10,000 shares, but the time it takes is identical. Whether you're trading one share or whether you're sure. a hundred shares, a thousand shares or like Buffett millions of shares. So if it were a day, like I don't like the day trade. And if it were a significant amount of time, I mean, if this took me like five and six hours a month, I might offload that to somebody, but mm -hmm. this type of stuff generally takes about 20 minutes to a half hour a month. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think it's worth paying the, the fees to have someone else do it. Yeah. Uh, when it's a very simple thing to do. If my son's at age, you know, 15 and 17, my son at 17, he's had his account for two and a half years now and he doesn't need dad's help anymore. Yeah. And he certainly hasn't gone to med school yet. You know, he probably will. He, that's kind of yeah. where he wants to yeah. go. And yeah. He is a sharp kid. He's a yeah. poor Tell him not to, Andy. Tell him not to. He's not, not a, a good idea. Well, you know, <laughs> the, the reason he's interested in that is I told my son this. I said, son, if it's just about money, don't be a doctor because you can make right. much more as an investor. But I said, dad said, I said, you ought to have some, some uh, vocational education. You have some investor education. You have some physical education in your life. And he's a frosty. Uh, he was brought to us because of a wonderful MD in California who developed a process called ICSI for people like my wife and I that were oh, and had fertility okay. issues. Sure, sure. So he was in liquid. He was in liquid nitrogen for about six months before oh, he was uh, God, he was God. put in there. I've got a picture of him. Is I don't know if what you guys call it an osteoblast or whatever, but he, he's got. <laughs> it's a little eight cell. It's a little eight cell uh, embryo, and the doctor says, hey, "Andy, come look at this." He put him under a slide. And he let me peek through the microscope. And there in my son at eight cells before he oh, put that, him inside. That's hilarious. Put did, inside. You, did you send it out on a Christmas card that year? Yeah, it, it was really it was really fun. <laughs> when I had my second son, my wife was was pregnant with my second son. I had the first thing. How many kids you got to go? Well, I got one here. I got one in the oven. I got five more in the freezer uh, ready to go. So, <laughs> so my son, uh, he, I said, beyond money, how can I think that? That doctor, yeah, yeah. Um, every day that doctor gets to hear from people like me and, and we get emotional because of the service. So I hope sure. he took whatever money I spent and he bought some real estate with it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. But it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful profession. So um, how, let's talk a little bit about the technology issues here because we live in a, um, yeah. you know, we live AI. in a world now with AI and, and oh. all those kinds of things. So. How is that affecting um, the process? Is it making it less uh, effective for the little guy? While the you know the, the AI players and and the and the big you know the big um, uh, robo traders yeah, and all that high they, frequency yeah, yeah, yeah. automated trading yeah how is that affecting everybody else? Uh, for me, not at all. Uh, it, it's interesting because it's a it's an entirely different game they play. 
they're trying to get a fiber optic network that can trade in nanoseconds and literally a bend around the corner yeah. of the fiber optic makes a difference for them. Yeah. Here's what's interesting for the guy like me, a, a fundamental analyst who just wants a good business. You know, I, I'm not really trying to get those little, you know, ticks of uh, a penny or, you know, a pip in the Forex. It doesn't mean much to me because I'm a cash flow guy. It'd be like someone on Zillow in real time watching their their Zillow price of their house move. You know, it, it's not my game. Right. But more importantly, Buck is that stuff's ha been happening for years. Eighty percent, probably ninety percent of the trades on Wall Street now are have been automated for years. This is not anything new. It's just going to get faster. I'm not competing with that because here's the thing. Uh, a stock can go down for a thousand reasons other than that. It could be a 9-11 terrorist attack. It could be a, you know, the frozen orange juice crop just froze in, uh, you know, Florida, or we had a hurricane here. All I need is a technical analyst is the stock is moving. Why it's moving is irrelevant to me. It could be an AI glitch. It could be momentum. It could be whatever it is. So for the average guy, I think where AI will come into play is on my side for research where I say, Hey, AI, Here's the criteria I'm looking for. Go fetch. And we already have that. We have lots of screeners. But AI is going to enhance my ability to be more, to have a greater amount of discrimination on what I'm looking for, right? And the same would be true with real estate. Hey, I want to know sure. what syndications are coming up. And here's what I like to see in a syndication. Go fetch. You know, Go find me the investments that I want. So I think it's going to be a positive uh, overall, but it's not something I have to compete with. Market's going to, you know, they're going to pay the dividend. They either made money or they didn't. Mm -hmm. uh, I do feel this as far as investment opportunity, it feels a lot like the nineties to me <laughs> with right the, now. you know, when the, when the world, yeah. Remember the world no. wide web in the nineties in Silicon Valley. And what happened in the nineties for those that are old enough to remember is it was really funny because no one was talking about what they had done or the money they have made, they were talking about the money they've raised and what their plans were and the serially entrepreneurs that they yeah. brought in. Yeah, A lot of that same talk, and it'll be like the fang trade. Um, yeah, yeah. They'll have all these guys come in and the winners will rise to the top, yeah. you know, the Googles, the Facebooks, and, and it'll, it'll be just like uh, the internet. So it's going to be yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's, um, I guess, get to the, um, the question of, Okay, so Andy, I am listening to the show with Buck Joffrey. He normally talks about real estate, and I've really only been focusing on real estate. What the heck is going on with the stock market now? Is it uh, is it a good time to get in? What, what What's going on with stocks? Always a good time to get in if you're a cash flow guy. Um, you know, I don't play the game of trying to predict the market. I, I think it's funny. The defining characteristic of the real estate and stock markets are their unpredictability. And we cannot resist the urge uh -huh. to get on CNBC and sell commercials and predict it. But I, I really just look for value. I have my parameters and it's really not about where the market is floating. It's really, oh, here's an opportunity in this company, or here's an opportunity to own mm -hmm. this company. When you look at a guy like Buffett, uh, 80% of his money is in five stocks. He owns dozens. Mm -hmm. But 48% of his money is in Apple, so half of it's right there. So when you talk about taking a lot of time, when it's one stock, he sits and watches it pay him a dividend, right? Sure. So I, I really don't care much about the – I love a good crash. I, I wish you know consumers like Black Friday, investors like Black Swan. Uh, I love – 
COVID, um, best year I ever had because I mean, you can pick up Exxon Mobil for $20. Uh, you right. can pick up Ford for four bucks. You could pick up, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, everything was on sale and that's a real Buffett key. And, and this is, this might be a different with real estate. However, real estate's the same when it crashes, you buy like crazy. I mean, you know, it's a discount, but what's interesting is the market brings more volatility because of the the fast liquid nature of it. So when yeah. there's a panic, things become way, way undervalued, way undervalued and bargains are everywhere. And it happens in mass. Warren Buffett calls it the shooting the fish in a barrel experience. And the thing I would say to rest real estate investors, I don't, pine for people to choose one asset class over the other to me cash flow is fungible uh the money i get from rents in real estate the money i get from dividends spends identically i just want the roi and i don't like you said i want a lot of headache to get it and so when people realize that you know you have a gdp of 22 trillion dollars you know i would say this if i died and i picked one of your listeners and the attorney called and said hey you know, your uncle Andy, who you didn't know you're related to, just left you all his shares of stock and all of the dividends that go with them. Would they say, well, this is really, that sucks. I hate stocks. Uh, you know, would you hate to own 5% of Apple? Would you hate, would you be embarrassed to own a company like, you know, Tesla? Or would you be proud to say, we do some pretty good things in technology. I want my share of that money. So if you look at it from business ownership rather than stocks going up and down and you look at it from as a golden goose, if you have a golden goose that lays a golden egg and a golden chicken that lays the golden egg and the eggs are fungible in the same size, why do you care whether it's a chicken or a, or a goose? Uh, if the okay. egg is fungible, well, the cash flow is fungible. Right. So I don't try to talk people into investigating stocks, but what is interesting having taught with Robert Kiyosaki for all these years and all these other guys, once people learn how to approach investing as a cash flow investor, the difference between real estate and stocks and commodities and you know even cryptos, they start to melt away and you start seeing more opportunity and similarity with the same skill set. Uh, and that's nice to have multiple streams of income. All right, Andy, what I want to do now is kind of, you know, I, I know people are uh, out there, you know, real estate markets run a little slow. They're interested in potentially learning some new skills. So if you are a new investor, I know this is something that, you know, obviously you are very good at is teaching people about stocks. This is why, you know, Robert Kiyosaki has has recommended you to. Uh, to people to learn about stocks and you've been a rich dad advisor tell us how people can do that how can they you know at least dip their toe in there and see if it's right for them yeah it, it becomes an appealing idea from compounding in my own life i don't have near the real estate that you know kenny has i mean he's you know in a class by himself but i will borrow money and and i will get a rent check so that's off borrowed money leveraged once well then i'll make a promise as I mentioned, to buy a stock and I get paid on it again. And then I buy that and I get paid on it again with a dividend. And, I, and, and so the, the ability to compound a leveraged dollar four times, five times, six times yep. instead of once, that gets people going. So I have this thing for toe dippers 
if they say, well, you know, I'm not sure if, if stocks are mine, you know, maybe they have some preconceived ideas, but maybe it says, no, I'm an open-minded guy. I'm curious, you know, I wouldn't knock on Warren Buffett's door and say he's an idiot and he's done pretty well. What is it that Warren does that maybe I don't know about? I have this thing mm -hmm. called the power six I've been doing recently. And it's six numbers that I teach people, um, general financial education, and they can superimpose real estate or stocks on that. So if you want, I can give you guys a link, uh, you know, power six and they can. Yeah, uh, that'd be a, great. Especially if it's on YouTube. In fact, if you're listening on audio, you go to the YouTube, we can put it in your show notes if you wanted. Something Fantastic. Like yeah, we'll do that. And also we'll, we can actually include that link in the, uh, in, in the show notes for the audio version as well. Oh, cool. But we'll get yeah. to that. And, um, and what, what kinds of things, so, so tell us a little bit about that. What exactly is that? Well, really the, the power six program is about how to build a wealth blueprint from all with multiple streams, all directions. Every Sunday, uh, my mm -hmm. wife and I at 11, uh, we, uh, in January, we set our goals for the year. Like everybody else does. One of the goals every year is to have 52 meetings that we don't miss. And yeah. if there's an emergency, it is rescheduled, not canceled. So at 11 AM on Sundays is when we do ours. We go through six numbers and these six numbers dictate the present reporting. And then, you know, the goals for the six numbers. And as we, as we manipulate those and set different goals, uh, those six numbers change your life and it becomes a very focused, uh, you know, enjoyable once a week meeting to, uh, to improve your wealth blueprint is what I like to call it. Right. And most people, even investors that are in syndications and even accredited investors often don't have a really insightful wealth blueprint with growth numbers and with income numbers and you know, different types of percentages they should go for. You know, when people say, Andy, what's a good return I should look for? Uh, if you were asked my sons that, they'd say, well, it'd be an infinite return with no risk. That's the ultimate you can get. And that's what I want to go for when I can get it. And I give examples of how infinite return works. Mm -hmm. uh, that sounds bombastic. It's not like you're getting an infinite amount of money. That's not how it works. There's only so many dollars in the world but you can get an, an infinite return. So those sure. are the types of things they learn. And we use real estate examples right next to stock examples. And people are like, well, that's the same money. And I have some here and I could do both. And actually they could be symbiotic and I can use one to leverage the other and double my compounding and that's, that's cool stuff. So yeah. that's what they can look forward to is uh, yeah, how well, you really compound. And obviously, uh, you know, this is a nice, you're so not a, this is not a paid thing. It's just a, a link that you can find out yeah, a little bit free. about what, what, uh, Andy's, uh, uh, philosophy on that is. So we'll, we'll include that in the show notes. Andy, um, thank you so much for being on Wealth Formula podcast. You've always been, uh, you know, a great guy to talk to. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny, like in this space, I always feel like there does tend to be a lot of polarity, you know, there's like stock guys and real estate guys, <laughs> but I used to be like that too. Like I used to be very anti anything but real estate, but like I've certainly opened my eyes to a lot of different things myself. And I think the more uh, sophisticated you get over time, the more money you have, the more you see that, you know, diversification is a good thing. Um, it's good to have these kinds of, uh, conversation. So I want to uh, thank you again for being on the show. 
It's just my pleasure, and it's so good to see you again. It has been a while, and uh, love to come back sometime and follow up with any questions anybody has. But it's really always an honor to be asked uh, to be a guest, and I certainly uh, certainly feel that weight. It's very humbling to be asked. So thank you so much, and uh, I wish everyone the best of luck in their investing. Always learn more. Thanks, Andy. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, again, Andy is uh, really good at teaching this stuff. And uh, bottom line is uh, options are something to look at. I mean, I think there is something there. I know people who do it. It's not something I've done a lot in terms of cash flow, but I mean, it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, I know. Um, and if you're listening out there, my buddy Peter Arts, who's been on the show, you just do a lot of this stuff um, and um, has done well with it. So, uh, anyway, make sure to check out Andy's free course. Again, that free course is either in the email that I uh, sent out um, with this podcast or it's in the show notes, however you're watching this show. That's it for me this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. This is Buck Joffrey signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not facts. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time.